um, the first one to show you how to print it out. It's sort of comfy last week. Um, so I'm just going to start one here, start one here, and then I'm going to start one about here and here. So yeah, feel free to sign it up. Feel free to not. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. Whew. Let's pray. Lord, those those hymns that we sang, they, they did something to me, Lord. They reminded me of um, the simplicity of you that we just, man, I just want to say just give me Jesus tonight, Lord. Um, it reminds us of your holiness, Lord, and because some of the words that were written a long time ago are still just pause and um, recognize that we're speaking with you, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, Lord, the, um, the one who's timeless, we're communicating with you tonight. So we invite you here. Um, just invite you in to these moments and um, to this time and this space. And uh, we pray. So welcome to Large Group. Large Group happens every week when we are in classes. And um, this one, as you've already picked up on, is a little bit different. If this is your first time to large group, it's not how we normally do things, but I'm not sure, like we kind of have normal large groups, but then even those are sort of different. So we're mixing it up all the time. You never know what you can expect when you walk through these doors. Um, so uh, welcome, welcome. About five weeks ago, I looked on my calendar, I can't believe it was five weeks ago, but it was. We went as a community to the mountains of North Carolina for what we call fall retreat, fall retreat 09. And we do this every year. In fact, fall retreat is the only time that our whole community gets away together. So some of you guys were there, and it like rocked your world. Tattoos. <laughs> some of you guys were there, and you're still like, oh, it's okay. You're trying to figure stuff out from it. Um, maybe you didn't go, and you heard people talking about it afterwards. And some all-stars have even listened to the talks online, which I'm very impressed by, I have to say. Bonus points for you. Um, or maybe you didn't go and have no idea what I'm talking about. And wherever you are in that, that all of that is fine. We are all here. Don't feel this like, I didn't go, I'm not going to know the inside jokes or whatever. Like, the point of tonight is that we all get on the same page as a community. So we're all here. Um, those of y'all that went, some of the stuff I'm going to say will hopefully sound oddly familiar. That's because I said it before to you. And um, I would encourage you to not tune out. Um, I actually think that when I've listened to three times, four times, I hear new stuff. I hear stuff more deeply. I hear some part that I didn't hear before. And so um, as you listen tonight, and you've already, if you've already, if you were there and you were like awake, I think we started at like 11.30, so there's no guarantees that you're awake during that time because some of y'all are sleeping, I know. Um, I just encourage you to, to listen tonight, even if you've heard some of this before. Um, your job is still to listen and to be honest with God, with yourself, and with others. So, more introduction, more introduction. I don't know if you guys are on our listserv, our email listserv, but <laughs> Becca cracked me up. She was like, she couldn't figure out what to put in the subject line that wouldn't get spammed out, like, sex, like, class, sex duke, you know, it's just like, okay, well. So, uh, that's funny. If you're not on a listserv, you should sign up. I think we'll have a team can help you out with that. But um, I gotta be honest, whenever we start, whenever the word sex enters any kind of conversation, I get like 20 palms. I mean, I get nervous. And so, like, part of tonight, like, no, like, like Jeff said, like, um, it kind of, this just freaks me out. I'm just, it just, it just wears me out. Some people like to talk about this stuff. It just, like, makes my, 
Um, so I just needed to admit that in front of all of y'all. So, Whew. okay. When I was in college, um, there was this guy, and uh, he and I, we were friends. Actually, we went to high school together, and then we sort of stayed in touch in college. And we entered um, like my junior year, basically emotionally dating. Um, we were spending a lot of time talking to one another. We were a couple of states apart, so it's like this long distance thing. And we soon entered into the phase of friend relationship phase, <laughs> which is um, it's it's not it's it's not quite a relationship, but your friend like it's good friends. So it's a friend relationship of two things that should sort of remain apart. Um, so actually, we went. I went to hang out with him where he lived, and um, one summer for a, a few days, and we ended up hooking up that one of the, like this is pretty early on in the evening, I mean in the, well, not in the evening, but in the time I was there, and, uh, and but had actual genital intercourse. And we're so like caught up with one another that it happens again the next night, and then the next night. And then I came back, I was living in Richmond, I came back to Richmond, and I can't stop thinking about the cat. Eventually, the relationship goes down in a heap of burning flames, and it's horrific, painful process of us deciding our ridiculous relationship anymore. So um, I then started getting very sad because it didn't work out. So there was this whole phase. So there's like relationship phase, and then like amped up, really, really, really like him, and then burning crash, and then death. Death, the, the throes of despair afterwards. And uh, I missed him in that time. Like we decided not to talk. So I didn't quite just switch into friendship mood. And um, I missed him as a friend because he was like a good guy. And I missed connecting physically with someone because we did that. And I think most of all, I missed the possibility of a future with someone. So I wait three months. I call him. Stupid move. Stupid, stupid move, Allison. I call him. Uh, we're talking. And I'm like, you know, that's what's going on with me, blah, blah. What's going on with you? And he's like, yeah, so I'm engaged. Uh, yeah, awesome. Horrible, horrible, horrible way to find that out. Didn't have Facebook back then. That's all we were. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought if I would have known. I could have just looked at his status. <laughs> way more painful to find out in person. So, um, so that's sort of um, the unfortunate. There are many, there are many unfortunate things about that whole experience. Let me tell you, having lived through it. But it set off a series of more friend relationships. So there'd be guys that I'd, I'd get to know. Um, this is on co a college, and we'd spend the night in each other's rooms, and um, we would later on campus. But then when I was thinking about this, I'm like, we never actually left campus and did stuff together. It was just this like thing that would happen at night, and then we like you know, see each other on campus, whatever, and then we would never actually, like, do anything, like, go out elsewhere. It's weird. Um, and it's just not the way it's supposed to be. Like, that whole relationship was not the way it was supposed to be, and it felt like it. So tonight, I want to reclaim sex back from the things that aren't of God. I want to say and state and declare that people who don't know God have no business telling us what we should know about sex. 
People who don't know God have no business telling us what we should know about. God has his copyright on sex. It's his. God has set his mark on sex. He's like, I made this. This shows you something about me. The way we see that, first of all, is that God created us male and female in his image. Male and female in his image. Males in his image, females in his image. Um, we see this in Genesis 1. I'll read 26 and 27. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or you can just listen. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Key verse. So God created human beings in his image, in the image of male and female, and created them. A little later on it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So what we see is that men and women are, at the very beginning of all of this, enjoying full, unbroken relationship with God, and full, unbroken relationship with one another. Um, let's marvel amidst us. Unlike other species, we are bountifully endowed. Get this. We are actually over-equipped for sex compared to other animals. The human male has the largest penis of any primate. It's pretty crazy. Yes. Yes. Women 
We make plans with a guy that we think likes us. Example, he's written on our Facebook wall. And we're wondering what it'll be like when we get married. <laughs> then later we find out that he just liked the same movie that we did. What is there to account for this gap? For a long time, for years, I felt ashamed about what me and the original friend relationship number one from college did physically. I raised up friend relationships and hookups I had in my early 20s. The hurt and shame between men and women are a toxic combination. Now we see evidence that we can't relate holistically across gender, right? Because what we see is brokenness. Most times it's difficult for us to look past a potential or unpotential for romance with one another. Each other across gender as possible mating partners, it's hard for us to see each other as anything else. We're pretty messed up. And scripture describes the beginning of this in Genesis 3. Right, when um, God is there with the man and the woman and things just go all wrong. <sighs> things go all wrong. I'm just going to skip through. We're just going to go uh, three and go chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So what we see is um, what happens in the fall of, of all of humanity that shame enters the picture, right? They see that each other are naked and they make, try to sort of um, handmade coverings for one another. And this is the reality we live in. Men and women can no longer engage in full relationship with God. We now witness their broken relationship with one another. One example of this is, um, so the cool thing, Mikkel was a student at, uh, I used to be on staff at ECU. <coughs> back. Mikkel was a student there. And we were in Romania together on a missions trip. And uh, what we were doing was we were basically working with what was in our varsity in Romania. And uh, we were at an internet cafe one afternoon. I was trying to write an email home about all the cool things that was happening. Back to my people had given me money to go to Romania and people had been praying for me. So I was trying to recap that in an email about all the cool things happening and kids' um, lives and how beautiful it was and how the gospel was going forth and all this crazy stuff. So I'm sitting down at my computer, I'm trying to write this email, and I look over the internet cafe, and the guy next to me is watching porn on that computer right next to me. And at some point, I just had this moment of like, well, doesn't just, just sum it all up. Here I am trying to write this email about how God's doing it, and right next to me, there's a dude watching porn, which I'm pretty sure is not what God has intended. So that is the image that I think is true for all of our lives here that God is at work, that we can talk about the things that are going on, that we can send home emails and say, man, God's doing all this crazy stuff, and the reality is somebody right next to me is experiencing brokenness. So the way that we see this brokenness kind of work out in our lives is that, uh, as Adam and Eve are in the picture, mm -hmm. they are suddenly more aware of their own nakedness. And what that means is, and the way this works out for us now, in the world that we live in, is that we're ultimately concerned with ourself. The days are relating perfectly to God and to one another, and we're now trapped inside of ourselves. And the ways that we see brokenness and sexuality play out can basically be summed up in um, two words. Self-love. We are so obsessed with ourselves now that we're missing the copyright that God has set for sex. 
First of all, our self-love convinces us that it's okay. Here's the thing. Sex works. It just does. God put his copyright on it, and he made a really good invention. Two ways that sex works. First of all, it bonds you with the other person in profoundly deep ways. Sex works in that way. It's problematic outside of marriage to have sex because you're a shared commitment. So you're bonding deeply with someone without the shared commitment and protection that marriage offers. That's one way sex works. The other way that sex works is that you do it so often that it loses its bonding ability, which is also problematic outside of marriage because when you do want to actually be profoundly bonded with someone, you've lost the ability to do that. So sex works. You do it so often that it loses its ability. Actually, what we see that um, when people exercise genital sexuality without the long-term commitment of marriage, people often end up more lonely and isolated than they started out. This is why we have boundaries around sex, to protect something of great value, and thus the copyright that God put on it. Love convinces us that others tell us who we are. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in our self-love, we, we so want to know who we are. We're so obsessed to identify ourselves. We're so caught up in ourselves that we ask other people to tell us who we are. And that's our first sort of instinct to relate to them. Tell me who I am, tell me who I am, tell me who I am. The problem is only God can tell us this. Other people aren't going to be able to tell us. We are made in his image, after all. So our, our, um, when this, the way this sort of plays out is we start looking for our boyfriends, hello ladies, to tell us who we are. We put so much weight into our boyfriend, who he is and what he says about us, that he has the final word. And if we don't have a boyfriend currently, wrapped up in looking for affirmation, then it's hard for us to see ourselves as anything other than single or unboyfriended. It's not just true for women. We all share the sin. So thirdly, third point, our self-love convinces us that pornography is harmless. This is not just a male issue. It may be madder than when someone says that porn is only a problem for men. First of all, that's just not true. Women use it and are addicted to it, so it's not just men. Also, in the Christian community, none of us exist in a vacuum. When our brothers struggle, we don't just look the other way because it doesn't apply to us. Women, these are our brothers in Christ. This is not just a male issue. Never struggle with porn doesn't mean it's not an issue for you to worry about and stress out about and pray about. All of us need to realize that porn is easier to access than it has ever been. That's part of what complicates this issue. This issue. The fact that we can be on our own with a computer and can access porn for free <coughs> is unique to this time in history. It's unique to this generation. Many of our dads, many of our pastors like to have access and easy access from an early age. Because in the past you had to go somewhere, you had to go to a store, you had to make a call at least, and now you can access it without any human contact whatsoever via the internet. So we need to recognize that this battle has taken on a new form. Sometimes older people just don't get it. Here are a few problems with porn. We'll stick with two for, for this talk. It removes the relationship from sex. Remember that God created sex. Porn provides the ease of sexual arousal and fulfillment without the relational connection. It's all the good stuff without the messiness of another person. Porn allows you to cocoon within yourself, 
It's all about self-love, your feelings, your desires, your fantasy for the other. Porn also spirals into more self-love deviation. Experience with porn makes it easier to go to strip club, makes it easier to spend time with a prostitute, makes it easier to get involved in sex trafficking, and ultimately, porn makes it easy, very, very easy to commit adultery. Porn makes you the master, you the king, it's all about you. Which runs exactly counter to be in full relationship with us, and with each other, and with all of creation. If anything, God created us for the other, not for self. So let me recap. And I invite Nathan up. So I started off reclaiming sex. God created. It was not our idea. It was his idea. It's his copyright. Things got messed up. And we end up living in the midst of sin at cafe, writing an email about how much God is up to, while sitting next to somebody straight up watching porn. All this, all this culminates, all this brokenness culminates in our obsession with ourselves, with our self-love. Our self-love convinces us it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. Our self-love convinces us that others tell us who we are, and our self-love convinces us that pornography is harmless. So Nathan's going to give right Nathan and Michaela. So yeah, well, tonight we've talked a lot about how we're broken sexually. That we have this capability to distort something they did really for us in our relationships. Um, well, here's some of how I've contributed to that. Back when I was in high school, I had my first experience with pornography. Um, it's been something I've been ashamed of and struggled with and been tempted towards ever since. Um, there's even been times in my life where it's been my master. Let me take a quick minute to reiterate that men are born. Porn is a distortion of God's creation that plagues both men and women across the world. The sad fact is that most men talk about it. Well, women don't have a place to do that. Few, if any, do. Um, another thing that I just want to reiterate that's bad about porn is that it brings comparisons, unfair comparisons, into our relationships with our spouses. Images that we've pretty much never let go of without the help of the Lord. Um, so it's just unfair to our spouses to bring that into a marriage, into a relationship. So I thank the Lord for his grace and mercy as he has stood with me in battle and as he's used his word as well as brothers in Christ as well as my wife, Mikkel, to bring me to a place of wholeness and, of wholeness and purity um, as I continue to walk this road. Um, so much without failings. Before Mikkel and I got married, um, we talked about my struggle in debt and I, I made a vow to her that if I ever fell again, I would tell her. Well, about a year ago, Two years into our marriage, during last winter break, I fell. No excuse for it. I just gave in to sin. I gave in to my self-love. I decided in that was more important than loving Mikkel and more important than honoring God. Soon after, soon after, I confessed my sins to God and I confessed um, to my brothers, but I never confessed to Mikkel. I never honored that, that vow. Because I was afraid of hurting her and losing her, and even the possible fear, or the fear of possible divorce, uh, by fear. And looking back, I've often felt the same way towards God. I feel as though, if I would, I feel, I felt as though I was too far gone. That if God actually knew how broken I was, He would throw in the towel. He would give up on me and disown me. 
See, many of us feel that we're one screw up away from epic fit. That we feel that if we look at porn one more time, or if we masturbate one more time, that God, his people, our communities, our families will abandon us. We're afraid that if the people around us find out who we really are, that they will leave us. That's where I was. I allowed fear to paralyze me, to keep me from walking in the truth that God's love for me was greater than my sins, and that his word was working, or that his love was also working through Mikkel. This fear paralyzed me from being reconciled to Mikkel and to God, as we were created in right relationships. The fear of this kept me from that again. So I lived in fear and shame. About three months later, Mikkel stumbled across the web history. At that point, I was overwhelmed again with guilt um, because I had let fear win in my life. I had, allowed Mikkel, I had allowed Mikkel to discover my failings rather than confessing it to her, as I had vowed to do. I royally screwed up. I was afraid that we would get divorced, and as I was afraid that she would disown me, and ultimately these are the same fears that I had with God, that he was going to disown me, and no longer be loved by God because of this sin. But I was wrong, and thank Jesus for his love. Mikkel is now going to read a little bit from her journal um, from the day after she found out. Yeah, he lied to me. Nathan lied to me. But he was lying about the need to be honest. That doesn't mean that he doesn't care about how we handle this. It doesn't mean that he doesn't value sexual healing the same way that I do. It means that he royally screwed up. It means that he made a bad call, and then he let fear and guilt and shame speak into his actions instead of submitting his body to the Lordship of Jesus. Now both of us have to resubmit to the Lordship of Jesus. He needs to let me forgive him, let Jesus forgive him, and forgive himself. He needs to trust that the the he needs to trust the Lord that he's steadfast and will never leave him or forsake him no matter how many times this happens. And he needs to try going to throw in the towel no matter how many times this happens. I might throw something at him, <laughs> but I'm not going to quit our marriage because of this. And as he trusts that part of me and my commitment to him, he needs to be honest with me, even when it's hard and even when it hurts. <coughs> A little further down I wrote, Today I've been thinking about forgiveness justice. There's a part of me that still wants justice to be served. <coughs> I'm having a hard time believing that Nathan could really know how he hurt me. I'm having a hard time believing that this experience will be enough motivation for him not to do it again. I want to punish him or rub his face in it enough so that we all know how much he hurt me, bad what he did was. But all of that is pretty much the opposite of what forgiveness is. Since both of us are believers, I can choose to let Jesus take this punishment for Nathan. I have this image in my head of Jesus and Nathan standing next to each other. And it's time for Nathan um, justice for this thing that he's done to me. And Jesus comes to me and he says, Mikkel, let me take this for you. Will you trust that what happened to me on the cross was justice enough for this? Yeah, justice needs to be served. Something needs to happen, but let me take, take it for him. 
let me take care of it. And I have to say yes. I have to give it over to him and believe that he's achieved justice for both of us. And also, Nathan has to believe that Jesus did that for him and that it's over. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't have to go back to the cross every time we screw up. But I think this helps me look at the cross differently. There is no remittance of sin. And later I was praying, thank you that I could forgive Nathan last night. Thank you that I was able to admit my own failure and that you redeemed that to me. I'll be, be very clear. It has never been, or will it ever be, okay. Forgiveness is not the same as permission. We are set free from sin, but we are not free to live in sin. But this day, the day after Mikkel found out when she wrote this, is a day that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. It's a day that I experienced the forgiveness of Jesus in a fresh and tangible way. Sisters, this is a love response to sin and sexual brokenness that I brought into our relationship. This is how we re should respond to each other, because this is how the Lord has forgiven us. So love each other this way, by focusing on the Lord and living in Him. Mikkel's godly love for me overcame fear and guilt, and we have been and are being reconciled. It is the same way with our communities. Let me read a passage for you from 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 7-11. through 11. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God... This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also, or we also ought to love. A godly love from one another expressed in small groups, in large groups, in accountability groups, in a discipleship, will transform the way we see ourselves in regards to sexuality. <coughs> because it will expose self-love for what it truly is, the selfish thing that twists and distorts the truth about who we are, and replace it with godly love, which comes from God and is so ultimately, what spurs me to purity is not fear of fear of failure again. <coughs> but mostly what spurs me, spurs me to purity is knowing that Jesus, as well as my brothers in Christ, and Mikkel, know me, they truly know me, and they still love me. Let me take a moment. Holy God, creator of all things. Lord, we thank you so much for being here with us. Lord, we thank you so much for being with us in every aspect of our lives. Lord, that when we doubt that you really care, that you show us you do. Lord, when we doubt that you will love us, that you show us that you do. Lord, thank you so much for community. Lord, and for the healing healing power of your love that we can extend to each other. So Father, we pray that as we have shared tonight, Lord, that you're transforming 
people's lives, Lord. So, Father, yeah, we pray that your spirit would just continue to pour out healing and restoration on us, and that we would rest in knowing that you going to the cross was more than enough to heal us and redeem us from any place of sexual brokenness that we are at and we have been. We, we pray, Lord, that you would continue that as we go from here. Strong, mighty, and life-giving name. Amen. So now we're going to split up into two groups for the guys and girls, or the men and women. Apologize. Um, women are going to stay in here. Men are going to go to room 136. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Um, 